So the idea of this series, But First, is about our alignment, our alignment in 2020 and aligning ourselves to what God wants to do. So as we begin the year, there may be some things in our life that need adjusting. There may be some things that God says you're out of alignment in and I need you to bring yourself into alignment. And so we, that's really what this series is all about. So let's pray as we get into it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your presence that is here. That, Father, we don't gather just to mark it off that we went to church, but we gather, God, to experience you. And so I pray, God, for an increase of hunger, not just naturally, but spiritually. That, God, you said that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would be filled. And so I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we hunger and we thirst for you. And that, God, you fill us. And so, God, we turn our attention to your word today. We say, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, which is to change us. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So alignment in our life is kind of like the alignment on a car. Have you ever been driving your car and you let go of the wheel just a little bit and it starts veering to the right or to the left? Most of the time my car it just starts going to the right. And, and, and you're like, oh, okay, I got to bring it back. Have you ever driven it where it feels like you're fighting with the steering wheel? You've got the steering wheel is like this. And you're going straight. <laughs> that means your car is out of alignment. Hello. Some of you didn't even know that. You're like, oh, that's why that's happening. You've got to get your car aligned. And so they go and they align. I don't know what they do, but they do something to the tires. You take it in. They fix it. And you're no longer fighting to keep that thing going straight. But if you let it stay out of alignment, and if you were just to let it go the way that it wanted to go, how many of you know you're not going to end up where you were headed? You're going to end up in a ditch on the side of the road. It's the same way in our life. If we're out of alignment and we just keep letting it drift the way that it was headed, then we're going to end up in a ditch on the side of the road. So we need to bring our life into alignment under God's command. Amen. So let's look at our key scripture for this series. But first, it's Matthew 6, 33. And we're going to read it in the Amplified translation because it makes it really loud. It's amplified. It says, but first and most importantly, seek. Seek means to aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. That's what we're supposed to be seeking after, striving after. And then it says, and all these things will be given to you also. We always have things that we have to do first, right? But first, I got to go to the grocery store. I need to go to the grocery store before we can eat. But before I can go to the grocery store, I have to get gas. Doesn't that just drive anybody crazy? You get in the car, you're like, I'm just going to run down the street, and there's like zero miles left. <sighs> I got to get gas first. Such a pain. But there's always things that we have to do, but there's things we have to do first, right? It's like the story about this mom and dad. They were watching TV when mom said, I'm tired and it's getting late. I think I'll go to bed. But first, she went to the kitchen to make sandwiches for the next day's lunches, rinsed out the dessert bowls, took meat out of the freezer for supper the following evening, checked the cereal box levels, filled the sugar container, put spoons and bowls on the table, and started the coffee pot for brewing the next morning. She then put some wet clothes in the dryer, put a load of clothes into the wash, ironed a shirt, and sewed on a loose button. She watered the plants, emptied a waste paper basket, and hung up a towel to dry. 
She yawned and stretched and headed for the bedroom. She stopped by the desk, wrote a note to the teacher, counted out some cash for the school outing, and pulled a textbook out from under the chair. She signed a birthday card for a friend, addressed and stamped the envelope, and wrote a quick list for the supermarket. Mom then cleaned her face, put on moisturizer, brushed and flossed her teeth, and trimmed her nails. Hubby called, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. She put some water in the dog's bowl and put the cat outside, then made sure the doors were locked. She looked in on each of the children and turned out a bedside lamp, hung up a shirt, threw some dirty socks in the laundry basket, and had a brief conversation with one child still up doing homework. In her own room, she set the alarm, laid out clothing for the next day, and straightened up the shoe rack. She added three things to her list of things to do for the next day. Then finally, she went to bed. About that time, the hubby turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed, and he did. <laughs> Isn't that true? It takes mom so long to get in bed. There's so many things. But first, before I can actually lay down, oh, I got to get that load into the dryer. Otherwise, it's going to stink in the morning. Oh, first, I got to get these dishes because I don't want to wake up to dishes in the sink. So I need to load those dishes. But first, but first, but first. There's always things that we have to do first in our life. So let's read Matthew 6:33 again. But we're going to read it in the Passion Translation. And this is what it says in the Passion Translation. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. It's the most important thing. He says, chase after. Constantly chase after. I don't know about you, but this... This implies passion. This implies a constant pursuit of God. And he's saying this is the first and the foremost thing that you need to do in your life is to pursue God, his way, his way of being right, his way of doing things, and his kingdom realm. And then it says all of these less important things. So if you read Matthew chapter 6, the less important things are all listed before that verse. It talks about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, all of the things that we worry about in this life. He says that worry is not going to add anything to your life. Worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you're going to provide for your family. Worrying about this doesn't change it. And he says, what's going to change it? Seeking after him first. And then all of these things, he says, all of the less important things are going to be added to you. So if you want to know how to increase in your life, you increase by putting God first. But first, God. But first, before I go and try and find a second job, I'm going to put God first. What does he actually want me to do? Because the Bible says that if I seek him first then he's going to add these things to my life. He's going to add them to your life. Amen? Sometimes we get it all out of whack. We get our priorities all mixed up because we begin to pursue the less important things. We begin to pursue the things that don't really matter at the end of the day. In that passage of scripture, he says, if, if the flowers are so clothed and so beautiful in a field, 
and your heavenly father knows and he provides that for him, how much more is he going to do that for you? He's like, if the birds, those little ghetto birds that are bothering you when you're eating lunch, right? Those little birds, God provides for those birds. And he says, how much more is he going to provide for you, his children? So the next time you see one of those little ghetto birds, be reminded. (laughs) God loves me and he's going to provide for me. Amen. I want to look at a passage of scripture today in Luke chapter 9. Because Jesus talks about, but first. And in the of scripture, we see that several times. That little phrase in here, but first. And so we're going to read this in Luke chapter 9. Again, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Sometimes I just like the way that it pulls the different words out. And it will actually give you definitions of that word. Um, actually, I don't think this is the Amplified. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what translation this is. What do you guys have? Can you put it up? Passion translation. Sorry, passion. Um, so it says, on their way, someone came up to Jesus and said, I want to follow you wherever you go. So someone comes up and just says to Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, yes, but remember this. Even animals in the field have holes in the ground to sleep in. And birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place here to lay down his head. Basically, what Jesus was saying to this person is, I am not, this is not my eternal home. I am not here forever. I don't have a place to lay my head, meaning this is not where I'm staying. I am moving constantly. I'm of another place. And then it says, Jesus turned to another and said, come, be my disciple. And this man replied, someday, Lord. But allow me first, but first, I want to fulfill my duty as a good son and wait until my father passes away. Jesus told him, don't wait for your father's burial. Let those who are already dead wait for, the, for death. But as you go and proclaim everywhere that God's kingdom has arrived, still another said to him, Lord, I want to follow you too. But first, let me go home and say goodbye to my entire family. Jesus responded, why do you keep looking backward to your past? And have second thoughts about following me. When you turn back, you are useless to God's kingdom realm. Ouch. This is Jesus talking. And so today, it's really about, but first, follow me. That's what Jesus was saying. But first, you need to follow me. He was very strong in this passage of scripture. He was very strong about what it meant to follow him. And in this passage of scripture, there's three things that we're going to pull out, three temptations that we can have in our life that will keep us from following Jesus. And we're going to talk about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus addresses it in this passage of scripture. I know that I've read this before and I thought, man, Jesus, the guy's dad, like he just wants to go bury his father. Like what's wrong with that? That seems a little bit like. Man, that's really harsh. And then the other guy just wants to go say goodbye to his family. Is that really that bad? Well, I mean, come on, Jesus. Like, couldn't you have cut them a break? But is that really what they were saying? So the first temptation that we can have is to put off following Jesus. 
The first man said, I will someday, Jesus, but not today. Today, Jesus, I know you're calling me today. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in this scripture. Jesus is standing right there. And he turns to this person and he says, come, follow me. He was inviting these men into his life. He was inviting them to be a part of his group, to follow him, to be a part of something in the earth that was going to change the entire world. Uh, I don't know. I got I to go take care of my dad. The temptation that we say, when I have it all together, I'll follow Jesus. You know, I, I've thought about going to church, but first, I really need to stop smoking. Yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you someday, but right now, I, I, I got to work all that I can work and make all the money that I can make. And then, when I'm successful, then I'll follow you, and then I'll tithe. Not today, Jesus, but someday. And I think this is a temptation that we can all fall into. And we need to be careful of because Jesus is calling us and we make excuses about why we can't do it. It's a temptation to put him off. The second temptation is to put others before God. See, Jesus cared about their family. He really did. Jesus cared that that man, notice that they're not named. They're just people. They could have been named, but they chose not to follow. See, Jesus cared about this man's family. He cares about your, your family, my family. But if they come between you and him, then you're going to have to choose who's first. And that's what he was telling this man, is you're going to have to choose who's first. Sometimes we put the people that we love the most above God. And he says he'll have no other gods before him. And so if we take somebody that we love, and it, it can be, it can happen without you even realizing that it's happening. Because you love them and you're doing life with them. But if they're pulling you away from the things of God, then they are an idol. They are a God that is before God. And he says he'll have no other gods before him. And so we've got to make sure that we have it right. See, there's no excuses to be made against a present obedience to Jesus. And that's basically what he was saying. Is there is no excuse. You're making excuses why you can't follow me. You just keep making an excuse. I understand you have a family. I understand you have responsibilities. But you're actually just using it as an excuse. This is a temptation that we can have in our life. So let's say Jesus is calling you. And you just feel this thing on the inside. That's like, man, I just want more of God, and I just want to pursue him. And I just, I just really feel like that I'm going to make a commitment this year. We're going to go to church every single Sunday. And in the fall, I'm going to register for GCMS. I'm going to be car become part of the ministry school because I want to learn more about God. I just want to pursue him and his call in my life. And so you tell your family, you're excited. I'm going to tell my family. 
this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to do GCMS. And your family goes, what? But, but I had plans next Sunday. Why do you got to go to GCMS? Why do you have to do that? Why do you have to go to church every Sunday? You don't have to go to church every Sunday to serve God. So now the voices begin to come into your life. They begin to take away what God has spoken to you. And that's what Jesus was saying to this man. He's like, if you want to go say goodbye to your family, I don't think you're actually going to follow me because the temptation will come that they'll talk you out of it. And you're just putting yourself in that position. Some of you keep putting yourself in that position because you're taking what God has given you and you're giving it to somebody else to make the decision for you. The Bible says, do not cast your pearl before swine. Now, I'm not calling your family pigs, okay? <laughs> but the Bible says, don't cast your pearl before swine, before pigs. Why does he say that? Because you have something precious that has been given to you. And when you take it and give it to somebody else, it's their responsibility. It's like taking a pearl and throwing it into the pig's pen. You didn't value it. You didn't treasure it. So we have to be careful that we don't fall into this temptation. That we allow the other voices in our life to be louder than God's voice. That they determine our pursuit of him instead of us determining our pursuit of him. See, God is calling each and every one of us. God is awakening us to what he wants to do in the earth. And it is so easy to be partnering with him and what he wants to do. Can I tell you, it is so much easy these days to get people saved than it has ever been because they're looking for an answer. There's so much turmoil and just chaos in our world. And we're the ones who carry the peace. We're the ones who carry the answer. But if we're not actually following Jesus, then how can we say, come, follow Jesus with me? And so that's the challenge. The third temptation is the one to keep looking back. And I think this is a big one that we all have in our life. This temptation to keep looking back. You allow second thoughts to come in when you constantly look back to your past. That's what he said. You keep looking back, which allows you to second guess following me. See, we cannot change our past, right? The past is in the past. We cannot change it, but we can change our future. And the decisions that we make today determines the future that we walk in. The past is under the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you that you are, if you are born again, that your past is covered by the blood of Jesus. Whatever that you've done has been done to you, it's in the past. And we need to stop looking back. It is really difficult to go forward if you're constantly looking back. It's going to slow you down. If you're driving your car and you're just looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to run into something. Right? So we've got to stop looking to the things of the past and making excuses why we can't follow today. But God, do you, don't you know what I've been through? But God, don't you remember when I dot, dot, dot. 
but God, you know, I just, I just have been so much through, through so much in my life that I just, I don't think that I can follow you. I'm not worthy, God, to tell others about you because look at everything that I've done. I've done this, 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 and this. Do you know God's response to that? He doesn't remember it. He goes, excuse me? I don't know what you're talking about. Because when he forgives us of our sins, it says that he takes our sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. I just picture this great big sea up in the heavenlies. And it holds all of our sins. And nobody goes fishing in it. So can God forget? Yeah. Because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. So stop reminding him. He's like, let's talk about what I want to do in your life. I don't want to talk about what you've already done. It's under my blood. It's covered. Stop using it as an excuse that keeps you from moving forward. If you keep looking back, having second thoughts. See, looking back is the same as like drawing back. So if you're constantly looking back, it will keep you from moving forward, right? You're drawing back. And in Hebrews 10, it says this in Hebrews 10, 38 through 39. It says, now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back. And it says to perdition. Perdition just means destruction. But we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So this is your determination. I am not of those who draw back. But I am one who will push forward to the saving of the soul. We are not of those who draw back. We are not of those who keep looking back. Looking back, looking back, looking back. We've got to set our eyes on the prize. The Bible says to set your eyes on the upward call, the prize of Christ Jesus, that we set our eyes on that and we pursue the goal of heaven. We pursue the prize of Jesus. So Jesus actually addressed what a disciple truly is in this passage of scripture in Luke chapter nine. And so this whole, in Luke chapter nine, it's like all these stories are happening and he's talking to people about what it means to actually be a disciple. So in Luke 9, verses 23 through 24, remember we read Luke 9, the end of that chapter, when they were making the excuses, and Jesus was like, there's no excuses. And so at the beginning of this, he tells them what it actually means. So it's, it says in Luke 9, 23 through 24, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, so if anyone desires to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Take up his cross when? And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So Jesus actually says, this is what it is to follow me. You're going to deny yourself. And you're going to take up your cross. Now, in the times that we live in, 
the cross means something entirely different. Jesus is saying this before he went to the cross. The cross in Roman times, in these times that Jesus was living in, meant death. The cross would be the equivalent to the symbol of an electric chair in our days. So we wear crosses around our necks. And in those days, it would have been like wearing an electric chair around your neck. Why on earth do you have that around your neck? Because the cross was the symbol of death. People went to the cross to die. So taking up your cross daily is not a burden for you to carry. When you take up your cross, you're not saying, I'm taking this burden. I'm going to carry my cross. This is my burden that I have to bear. Have you ever heard somebody say that when it comes to carrying your cross? No. I would submit to you that taking up your cross means dying. You're actually dying to live for Jesus. Taking up your cross. The cross was something that you died upon. And the reason why we have to do it every day is we have to remind ourselves. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have died to myself. I deny myself. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, we say no to all those other things that would pull us away from him. When we say yes to Jesus, we actually say no to the things that are in our hearts that we want to do, the desires of the flesh. We say no to those things. Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a household that I was told no. I know there's a generation now that, that they were never told no. So they don't know what it means when you say, no, you're not supposed to do that. If you're going to follow Jesus, this is how you follow Jesus. You don't do that. Because we don't know what it means to deny what our body, our minds want. But that's what Jesus was saying. In order to be a disciple, in order to be someone who follows me, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to die to yourself. That's what it means to follow him. So that's where it starts. But first, Jesus, I commit to following you. I commit to denying. See, that's what fasting is all about. It's a denial of what you actually really, truly want. You know? I mean, I really, truly want a steak. With a potato. Some sour cream and butter. All that salt and pepper just oozing all over the plate. Don't give me the broccoli. I'll take a side of fries with that. Some of your mouth just started watering. Listen, that, that's what fasting is about, right? We go, no, body, you're going to come into submission to my spirit. And my spirit says that we're going to fast. And we're going to put God first. And so whatever he's told you to fast, then you do that. But can I tell you that fasting really does have to do with food? We can fast social media. They didn't have that in Jesus' days. We can fast TV. They didn't have that in Jesus' day. We can fast certain types of music. We, the, he didn't have that in Jesus' day. 
He was talking about food when he talked about fasting. So it's good to do those other things, but it's also good to give something up, even if it's just soda. Because some of you bow to the God of Pepsi. So if Jesus actually said in this passage of scripture before that if you desire to follow me, if you desire to come after me, then you're going to have to take up your cross. And when he would have said cross to them, that would have represented to them a brutal death. And so later in this passage of scripture, when when these people come up to him and, and they say, we want to follow you, but first, Jesus is like, I already, I already told you what it looks like to follow me. So the question comes then, did they actually believe in him enough to put him first? Did they actually believe in what he was doing in the earth that they wanted to follow him? So today, my question for you is, do you believe him enough to follow him? Because to be a true follower isn't about just showing up once a week, once a month. To be a follower means I am denying myself. I am dying every day. And I'm going to live for him. It means it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And if he lives in you, then all of your decisions come into alignment with his will. That's why it said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God, his way of doing and being right. His way of doing and being right. Too many of us want a Christianity where we get to pick and choose. Well, I like this. I like prosperity. He says he's going to bless me. But I don't like giving, so I'm just going to leave that one out. I like that he heals me, but I don't like that he wants me to be a steward of my body, that my temple is the Lord's. And so I'm just going to put that over here. This isn't a buffet. He sets the table before us. He sets a table before us. And we choose if we're going to sit down or not. When my kids were little, I did not make two meals. If we were having fish, okay, well, maybe not fish. I would give them chicken nuggets if we were having fish. But if we were having a meal, I didn't make them macaroni and cheese because they didn't like what I was making. You're going to eat it. How do you know if you don't like it if you never tried it? It's the same way with God. He's like, just taste and see that I am good. Just taste and see. How do you know if you don't try it? I want to challenge you today. How do you know if you don't actually put him first how much your life will change? See, the devil will say to you, don't do it. You're going to, everything's going to be negative. If you put God first, then you won't get to do such and such. If you put God first, then your family will such and such. And he begins to bring the doubts and you begin to look back. But God is saying to you today, the question is, do you really believe enough to follow him? Do you believe enough to lay down your life? 
for the sake of Jesus. He is your all. He's your everything. As the team comes and we get ready to close, is he first in every area of your life? Listen, I was, I was raised in church. My mom married my stepdad when I was about seven, and she had gotten saved. And, um, and so we were part of this little charismatic church in Old Town Temecula. And I was raised in that church, and then at about, I don't know, 13, 14, somewhere along there, we went to a different church, and my parents were assistant pastors. My dad pastored over um, some of those years. And, and so I was raised in church. There was not a question if we were going to go to church on Sunday. That was never a question. And so I was familiar with the things of God. I was familiar with the Bible. I could quote it. I had learned some passages of scripture. I'd memorized them. I had done all the right things, but there came a point in my life that I had to choose if I was going to follow him for myself or not. There came a point where I had to lay down my life and say, God, I choose you. Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose the call of God upon my life. I choose, God, what you want to do in me and through me. And can I tell you that it's a daily choice that started when I was 17. I said, this is it. I don't want to live my life like I've been living my life. Even though I was going to church, I was so far from God. I was doing drugs, partying, just really not, not drinking because I didn't like it. I got drunk one time and then I didn't like the results, so. But I was so far from God. And he reached down in the middle of my mess. And I could hear him calling me. And I had a choice. Was I going to choose to follow? Or was I going to choose my way? I've never regretted the choice that I made. And I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've chose sometimes my will over his, and it created a mess in my life. But God always came in. He always forgave. He always loved. And he always healed. And he said, come on, daughter, let's keep going. That's the choice that lays before us. In 2020, where will God be in your life? Will you be a true follower of Christ? Where you deny yourself, you lay down your life, and you die on that cross every day. It's a choice that we have to make. So let's stand today. Only you can answer the question, of where Jesus lies in the priority of your life. Only you can answer the question of where Generations Church lies in the priority of your life. You see, we're here to partner with you to do something in the earth. Generations Church is here 
so that we can gather together and be a part of something that's bigger than just ourselves. We're a part of what God wants to do in the earth. But do you believe in what God wants to do in your life? And do you believe in what God wants to do in this church? Because this year, let's be 100% about it. Let God be number one in your life, but first follow him. But first, put him first place in your life. But first, but first. So I just want you to do this. I want you to put your hand over your heart. And I want you to take a moment and take a look inside. What is it that you've put before him? Are there areas of your life that have become first and Jesus is second or third, fourth, fifth? Or maybe you haven't even really thought about him in a while. Today's the day to take a look inside. Let him show you. thank you for what you want to do in them and through them this year. That God, they'll see that when they put you first, that everything begins to switch, that everything changes, that they can mark this day, January 12, 2020, that that was the day that everything shifted, that families came into alignment, that households came into alignment, that finances came into alignment that everything came into alignment with you, Jesus, because we put you first. I thank you, God, for a radical transformation on the inside. And that, Father, what you do in them, 